All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. Hello, America, and happy Monday. Glad to have you back from the weekend. Hope you enjoyed the weekend show, particularly our 9-11 special that we had yesterday with Rudy Giuliani and Bernard Carrick and the folks from the incredible Tunnels to Towers group, Frank Sillers. What an amazing inspiration to take the death of his brother and turn it into an extraordinary charity that does good around the world 21 years later. Really grateful for that special. We've got a great show for you. We're going to introduce you for the first time to the Republican nominee for governor in Massachusetts, State Representative Jeff Deal. He's a guy that's got a lot of independent support. New polling out showing an Emerson College poll found that Deal led among independents by seven points over his Democratic rival, Maura Healy, who's very closely aligned with Biden. We're going to talk to him about that. He doesn't have a lot of the support of the Republican establishment, but does have a lot of support among the Republican rank and file. We're going to tackle that. And then every so often, I'd like to remind people about the extraordinary opportunity there is to align your values, what you believe, with what you give to charity. Many times we give the charities because they have a great sounding name or we thought they did something. We haven't done the research. A lot of these charities have gone woke. A lot of these charities have adapted their values from their original mission. You might think you're giving to something that's going to help the poor, but in fact, it's involved in critical race theory or transgender ideology. And our second guest today is Peter Lipson. He's a vice president at Donors Trust. Donors Trust, one of our partners, one of our advertisers and sponsors, they work to make sure that every dollar you give in your charitable giving has the maximum impact aligned with your values. And Peter's going to talk about the trends in giving right now. By the way, during the pandemic, giving kept going up. That's a good thing. It kept going down from mega donors up from individuals. That's exciting, but it's not keeping pace with inflation, and that is a legacy of the Biden policy agenda. We're going to talk about that, what you can do to have the maximum impact in the charitable space in this extraordinary moment in history where there's so much need, so much to fight, so much to embrace, so much to change. What a great opportunity there is there with Peter Lipset at Donors Trust. So our back-to-back today State Representative Jeff Deal from Massachusetts, the Republican nominee for governor, followed by our good friend Peter Lipset from Donors Trust. Now, before we do that, I want to give a few seconds of facts, hard, cold, old-fashioned facts on the issue of the IRS. The IRS has been a political football. Each side is trying to do something with it. The Democrats want to give it $80 billion more, 87,000 more agents saying there's more enforcement needed. And it won't hit the middle class. Republicans, their concerns about armed booted thugs, right? The gun carrying IRS agents. We're going to give you some facts before we go to the commercial break, before we have those two great interviews with Mr. Deal and Mr. Lipset. To give it to you a sense of just how much money Joe Biden has allocated to increase the budget of the IRS, it's $80 billion over 10 years, $80 billion. That's about 60 times what we spend on cancer research a year, according to the NIH, if you believe the NIH's numbers. 
it is a lot more, I mean, magnitudes more than what we spent on suicide prevention, even though suicides are a growing crisis in America or drug addiction. We seem to have a lot of that over the years, and yet we don't nearly do it. Now, here are some of the things about the IRS right now. This was from Chuck Grassy just a few months ago. Most IRS workers are still working from home. They're just using telework capacity. 53%, according to Senator Grassley, still working from home. In other words, they're not that eager to get back and do their job in the office like you and I have been able to and have to do because of our jobs. That's one fact that doesn't get out there an awful lot. Now, the president has repeatedly said that this new army of IRS agents isn't targeted at the middle class, but that's not what the Joint Committee on Taxation said. That's a nonpartisan committee in Congress that sets the rules for taxation. Uh, it said that nearly half of the audits would hit Americans making $75,000 per year or less. Only 4 to 9% would affect those making more than a half million, so not the rich. And that 78 to 90% of the money raised from underreported income under this new initiative, the Biden initiative, the $80 billion 10-year plan, would come from those making less than 200000 a year. In other words, the working class and the middle class. These are very important things. The size of the IRS would grow by 90% in its budget in a decade from where Joe Biden has started us. That's a, one of the largest growths of any federal agency in American history. That's a big deal, right? A lot of people don't realize how big that is. And then the question is, who gets audited, right? Who gets audited more? And over the last few years, there has been a realignment of the IRS from high income taxpayers to low and middle income taxpayers. That's according to Kim Bloomquist, former IRS economist. She acknowledges in an article with Bloomberg and the data backs it up. People who get the earned income tax credit, usually people below $25,000 a year in income, they're getting a significant, significant growth in the amount of audits that are being targeted there. Of course, we know the IRS scandal on the Tea Party groups, the conservative groups a decade ago. No one got punished, but there was clear and overwhelming evidence of what was to be found. All of that is something that's really remarkable. Here, here's a, a statistic in 2017. This was according to ProPublica, a left-leaning group. In 2017, earned income tax credit recipients were audited at twice the rate of taxpayers who made income between 200 and 500,000. So the poorest were being audited the most. Go figure that one out. I can't. I don't know. But maybe you can. That is a few of the facts that are irrefutable. Tonight, I'm going to have 12 facts you didn't know about the IRS on the website. I think you'll enjoy it. Go check it out over the course of the evening. We'll have it up on Just the News by the time you wake up in the morning. All right, folks, let's take that quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have a great interview with the Republican nominee for Massachusetts Governor, State Representative Jeff Deal followed by Peter Lipset at Donors Trust, where we're going to talk about aligning your values and your charitable giving. Two great interviews back-to-back -back right after these messages. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. 
Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you out at your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down, my blood sugar is down, my weight's down, my health is up, my sleeping patterns are better, my metabolism is up. If you wanna experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. You may have seen it on Just the News last week. Uh, the Massachusetts primary has settled on its nominee for governor. Uh, and former state rep Jeff Deal is the winner, won by a big margin, 11 points in the primary, and is doing quite well, particularly in polling heading into the fall election with independents. And he's joining us right now. Representative, great to have you on the show. Hey, John, thanks so much for having me. It's great to talk to you and your audience. It's a fun audience, and they're going to love to hear about your quest here. So this is a pretty interesting time. You you ran against Liz Warren in 2018. That was a wave Democratic election. Now you're in a pretty good spot heading into the fall. The polling from Emerson this weekend really showed a nice appeal to independent voters in Massachusetts. Well, I think people know my track record as a state representative up on Beacon Hill for eight years. I actually was a Republican who fought both sides. I mean, I was kicked off of committees for doing the right thing, stopping our gas tax in our state from going up automatically every year with inflation. And if that hadn't been done, you know, with inflation today, Massachusetts would be like California. So independents in this state, you know, in Massachusetts, understand that I'm not fighting for Democrats or Republicans. I'm fighting for everybody. It's not about party right now. It's about we the people versus big government. So in 2018, when I ran against Elizabeth Warren, I got almost a million votes at the time, which was more than the Democratic nominee for governor. So it put us in a great position to make this run for governor in this election cycle. And I think right now we're seeing that the Biden economy is reflecting terribly on Democrats, including my opponent, Maura Healy, who fully supported him and is part of this very far left agenda that really puts the American worker behind. Yeah, and it's really noticeable. That's more than any other issue. The economy, inflation seems to be the top issue. This is a pocketbook election, and that often can change a state like a blue state. Normally, it leans blue, can have a breakout moment. When you're out campaigning with constituents out in the field, what are you hearing from them? What is their decision-making points right now? Well, really, you know, it's freedom. It's all about freedom, whether it's economic freedom. I mean, our state has brought in over $6 billion in excess tax revenue, and that's on top of the $5 billion that the federal government gave us for pandemic relief. So the state's awash in cash, and yet our state legislature is trying to get past a millionaire's tax, trying to put 4% on those people who earn over a million dollars, who, by the way, help drive our economy by creating jobs, creating new businesses. They want to push them out of the state. So economic freedoms, one medical freedom is huge in Massachusetts. You know, a lot of people, because we were a blue state, we were locked down, were fired from their jobs because they didn't get the vaccine. If they were a state worker or if they were a nurse, my running mate, Leah Allen, is a nurse who was fired. She was pregnant, working on a COVID ward. She didn't get the vaccine because she she had just delivered her baby, was breastfeeding and thought it was the could be damaging to the baby. She didn't get the vaccines and was fired for it. So she's running with me to talk about the medical freedoms. And just so you know, right now, the MBTA, the T in Massachusetts is under federal review because it's in such disastrous uh, situation. It's because we're understaffed and that's across the board in all state agencies. 
state troopers fired after decades of being on the job. Now they can never get a job in law enforcement again the way they were discharged. So on day one, I'm returning every state worker back to their jobs, and we will lift that vaccine mandate requirement for state workers. It, it seems like it's clear now that the science shows that, you know, there's no correlation between getting the vaccine and being prevented from getting uh, COVID. So, look, it's a matter of medical freedom. And then the third and last thing I would say is educational freedom. I think parents in our state are so angry that school boards were shutting them out. Uh, Parents wanted to talk about how we had mask mandates late into last year, about how our kid, kids are falling behind, and the questionable sexual preference material at very young ages being presented to our kids right now. And uh, so I'm going to give parents that choice. They can take their tax dollars and use it for the public school. They can shift it to private schools. And under my administration, they can also use it for homeschooling if they want to. Yeah, that's that's exactly the sort of stuff that gets parents excited, particularly after everything they learned was being force fed to their children over the years. You have an unusual circumstance where some of the establishment in your own party is not getting behind you. How do you navigate that as you head into the fall, both from financial resource standpoint and just from messaging? Yeah, well, it's interesting because back in 2018, my own state party never supported me against Elizabeth Warren. Our governor was never out there for me. But at the same time, you know, I was uh, still the nominee. I was overwhelmingly elected uh, at the convention and then in the primary. And this time it's the same thing. In fact, our Governor Baker, the most popular governor supposedly in the country, uh, only topped out at uh, Republican conventions at 70 percent. I got 71% at the convention this last year and then ultimately won the primary, like you said, in double digits uh, over my opponent who spent outspent. Uh, you know, it's never been about money. In fact, you know, I'll be first to admit that I'm always an underdog in every race that I've run, but I've won more races in Massachusetts than I've elected four times as state representative. I won a ballot question. I supported uh, uh Donald Trump for president in Massachusetts. He won the primary in Massachusetts so overwhelmingly it was the largest margin until he had his home state of New York. So I've always been speaking about what's important to the people. And I think that's what is going to end up winning the day. Scott Brown in 2010 was broke. He was uh, down by at least 18 points going into the final weeks against Martha Coakley for U.S. Senate. And uh, he promised to be the 41st vote against Obamacare, give people back their choices over health care. He won Massachusetts. That's because he spoke to what's important to the people. When you do that, you win. Yeah, that's a great thing. I think everybody assumes that it's such a blue state. Well, there's no chance for a Republican. But you have these two models, right? You've got the Charlie Baker model. You've got the Scott Brown model. It seems like your pathway is going to be the Scott Brown pathway, getting into the grassroots, getting into the independent voters, showing that political independence streak that's been really a part of your entire career. What's your game plan for those last eight weeks of the election now? Yeah, I mean, at this point, obviously, what we're doing is, uh, and, and it's funny, people say, you need to shift to the middle. I said, I've always been talking to the middle. In fact, you know, we knew that coming into this race that we were the favorites to win in the primary. So we re really have been messaging beyond Republican issues. I mean, people know where I stand in the Republican Party. And people also, I think, in the state know my track record of standing up for them. Another thing that I, I really push back on is uh, Olympics in Massachusetts. And there was a, a Boston 2024 movement that was going to be a boondoggle, billions of dollars uh, wasted in, in taxpayer money. I stood up against that and was able to get that out. I, I put in uh, amendments to create term limits for the Speaker of the House. I've, I've put in amendments to show ID to vote. You know, I've been standing up on the right side of the issue for a long time. I think finally uh, the times of, of our country in Massachusetts are catching up to where my platform has always been, which is just trying to represent common sense and constitutional values. And I think that's what uh, ultimately the, the core voter in Massachusetts is looking at. And I think you mentioned it earlier. It's like James Carvel said back when Bill Clinton was running against uh, George H.W. Bush. And that is, it's the, it's the economy, stupid. Uh, with, with the cost of gas in Massachusetts twice what it used to be, with the cost of food twice what it used to be, with the fact that uh, we, we've got baby formula shortages in our state and in the country, people are so angry at the Democrats for leading us down the wrong path with Joe Biden. And I think that's what's going to really ultimately uh, win the day is on, in November, not just in Massachusetts, but this red wave across the entire country. Yeah. And tying each candidate who really supports Joe Biden to the Biden agenda is really an important thing. And Healy's right, really side by side step with the president, isn't she? And almost all the issues. 
Well, what's interesting is actually today, Joe Biden is in Massachusetts at the JFK Library to talk about the cancer moonshot. You'd think this would be a perfect opportunity for Maura Healy, my opponent, to be standing with him. And yet she isn't because she knows that he's a huge drag in this election cycle. She's running ads right now that are actually saying she wants to lower taxes. She actually knows the polling in this state is, is going against her. And I think she's trying to message my message, which is amazing. So I'm I'm proud that we're uh, we're actually setting the tone for this election. That's incredibly important uh, versus since 2018 when everybody ran against Trump. Uh, but, you know, here's the other thing, too, is Moore Healy made a very, very controversial statement that was covered nationally. Back in 2020, when the riots were happening all around the country, uh, cities were burning, you know, Minneapolis, Seattle, everything was on fire. So was Boston. We had riots in Boston. Police, nine police officers were shot at, went to the hospital. We had cruisers, cruisers on fire on Tremont Street, right? And she said, during an interview at that time, yes, America's burning, but that's how forests grow. Now, that's our attorney general from Massachusetts basically condoning the looting, the arson, the murder of people protecting their stores. That was her view is that's how democracy works. That is not how it works. It's elections that change leadership. And she was way off the mark. She's actually trying to walk back that statement right now, too. Yeah, it's amazing the amount of people running in 2022 all across the country that have these remarkably far left statements and they're now trying to disown them. The dynamic is really interesting. You see it in Pennsylvania, you see it in Ohio, and, and you see it uh, clearly in Massachusetts with Maura Healy. Um, as you go down the stretch, what are the chances that the RGA, super PACs, other PACs will come in and back you up and take advantage of that big lead that you have with independents right now? Yeah, well, so on top, on top of talking to groups like the RGA and on top of uh, making sure that we, you know, reach out to, uh, you know, other elected folks. I mean, we had Christy Nome come to Massachusetts and rally for me. So that was fantastic. President Trump did an election eve uh, tele-rally for us. So that was fantastic. But the other thing that's going on in our state and people uh, are going to become aware of this very quickly, very soon, is that driver's licenses were given to illegals in legislation that was overridden. Uh, the governor vetoed it about uh, a few months ago. The legislature overrode him. We actually got a ballot question on for November 8th that's going to allow people to repeal that. It's incredibly unpopular in Massachusetts. Nobody wants to give driver's licenses to people who are here illegally. And so it's going to be on the ballot. There is a, uh, a PAC set up that's actually running ads uh, about that issue. That's going to run concurrent with what uh, my campaign's talking about as well. And so I think that is going to bring people over the top to get out there and get that conservative vote out there or just that average common sense vote that's going to come out there. And just to give people a mirror, back in 2014, when Charlie Baker ran against Martha Coakley, again, another attorney general, the uh, he was he was it was a very, very close race. When I did the gas tax ballot question that year, the 2014 ballot question to repeal the indexing to inflation, we outperformed Charlie Baker by 50,000 votes. We drew that conservative or that just that pocketbook voter out to get to the polls and help Charlie cross the finish line. We feel like that's going to be a very similar dynamic in this election cycle. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And that it's sometimes those outside issues have a remarkable way of motivating people in the mainstream media don't focus on it, right? And all of a sudden they wake up on election day. Where did this wave come from? And that's one of the things I know people have been watching out of Massachusetts is that ballot initiative. I want to turn just real quickly to one last thing. I, just before you went into the primary, there was a nice telehaul with former President Donald Trump. He's a big fan of yours. How does he play in this race when you know there are so many independents that like him in the state? Yeah, I think. You know, he didn't carry the state, obviously, when in the general election either time. However, he did win, again, the primary uh, in 2016 against a very crowded field incredibly strongly. And I think that was because he reached a lot of people on the key issues, you know, building the, the wall to make sure we have secure immigration, making sure that uh, our American workers were put first, making sure that soldiers were bringing brought, being brought back from conflicts that no longer served our national interest. Those things hit home beyond Republican base. And so that was really interesting. We saw, I think, 20,000 Democrats unenroll and vote for Trump in that primary in 16. It's an underreported uh, statistic in Massachusetts because the mainstream media, the Boston Globe, never wants to report anything that favors Republicans in this state. Um, but I think for the general election right now, it's going to be the main focus is on Biden and his failures, not just economically, but also his foreign policy failures. I mean, we just talked to, yesterday was 9-11. You know, I was at a ceremony where we talked about, you know, our brave troops that went to war after after 9-11. And what we saw with the withdrawal from Kabul by 
uh, President Biden was a disaster. And we know he's just a weak on foreign policy that's allowed Russia, that's allowed other countries now to take advantage of our weaknesses. So it's it's really a scary time for our country with Biden as leader. And I think that's what's going to be playing uh, on people's minds come November. Yeah, there's no doubt. And there'll be a lot of talk about the Biden record in these last eight weeks in every state in America because people fill it in their pocketbook. Jeff, what's the best way if people are listening, they want to get involved with your race, support you, what's the best way to stay in touch with you these last critical weeks of the election? Yeah, thanks, John. I really appreciate that. So what people can do is go to my website. Uh, it's actually my name and my running mate's last name. So it's D-I-E-H-L. A-L-L-E-N, dealallen.com. That's the best way to get me. Or you can go to my other, jeffdeal.com, G-E-O-F-F-D-I-E-H-L.com. Both send you to the same location. But if you go there, you can not only learn about my platform, you can also obviously buy some campaign gear, cool T-shirts and hats and sweaters and all that stuff. But you can also uh, volunteer. So if anybody who's listening lives in Massachusetts, we need your help more than ever. We need poll watchers to make sure that elections are secure. We need to make sure that there's people getting a message out there in their local towns and communities. So volunteer. And then, of course, if you can donate, that's absolutely going to help us put us over the top. Yeah, those important times right ahead of us. Well, it's an honor to have you on the show. We're going to be watching this one. I have a funny feeling that driver's license initiative plus your efforts are going to make for a very interesting race in November. Great to have you on the show today. John, thanks so much. And I appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. It was an honor to have you on. Folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Peter Lipset from Donors Trust. We're going to talk about the trends in charitable giving during the pandemic, coming out of the pandemic, and how you can take steps that would align your charitable giving better with your personal values. That coming up with Peter Lipset, Vice President at Donors Trust, right after this commercial break. Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Always glad to have this next guest on. I love the idea of being able to align your charitable giving with your value. So many times people give the institutions, they sound good, and then you don't realize, oh, they have, they don't reflect my values on this or that. Well, our good friends at Donors Trust make sure that doesn't happen. They make sure that every penny of your giving actually goes to the things that you support. And in this extraordinary economy where inflation is high, it's a really important time to make your dollar count even more. And we're really lucky to have rejoining us, Peter Lipset, one of the vice presidents at Donors Trust. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about how to make a difference in this crazy economy. Joining us right now, Peter, great to have you on the phone. Thank you, John. Great to be back. It is an extraordinary time. And last time we were together, we talked a little bit about Giving USA and the trend lines. And the great thing is, even as the economy has turned downwards, people's sense of charity has not waned. They're still giving a lot. They're still trying to make a difference in this environment. But inflation is a tricky pest in this. Tell us a little bit about what you're seeing in the trend lines. Yeah, last time we talked, we mentioned the Giving USA numbers that showed a bit contrary to what people were expecting that 
in 2021, people's giving outpaced even what they did in 2020, which surprisingly outpaced what they had done in 2019. And so there's this positive trend line overall. We were really curious as we got into the middle of the year, though, with inflation, as you mentioned, continuing to, to go up and up and up and gas prices and just the unsteady, uncertain economy, was that still happening? Plus, you had COVID. You know, Some of us think that the, the COVID crisis has certainly backed away a bit, and that lowers demand to a certain extent. The fortunate thing is that it appears giving continues apace, that, that giving this year is is going full steam ahead. I know from our own vantage point at Donors Trust, what we've seen is in the first seven months, donors give away $126 million uh, to almost 2,000 different charities. That's an 11% increase in dollars from where we were last week, but is a 49% increase in the number of grants being submitted. So donors are still engaged. They're still out there. The numbers we're seeing are, are similar to what you're seeing at some of the big national commercial donor advised funds when they release their numbers. So giving continues, people continue to understand the value of philanthropy, even when their dollar might, frankly, be worth a little less at the charity and the charity's going to have to stretch it a little bit farther because of inflation. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <clears throat> Everything is more expensive. So every dollar counts a little bit more when given. One of the fun um, trend lines, and, and you, you and I were talking about this offline, we're seeing an extraordinary uh, growth in individual donors. We look at politics sometimes and you see, well, there's a Mark Zuckerberg, he dumped a whole bunch of money in. But actually at the charitable level, mega donors are really not that big. Individuals are still the real strength of this. Talk about that dynamic a little bit. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword on that because you know, a lot of the mega donors have their foundations. And, and you know, I'd lump the big foundations, whether they agree with good conservative principles or not, into that kind of mega donor tranche. And they're continuing to give a lot. Foundations are giving a lot. Corporations have stepped back into the fray, and now they're actually giving again after cutting off the spigot for a little while. But the power of philanthropy in America really is driven by the individual donor uh, out there who's given 10 bucks, 100 bucks, uh, 1,000 bucks. And, and all of those really, really matter. I mean, we need, we need donors at every level. There really has been a trend over the past several years uh, that the mega donor is stepping up more and more and the smaller to mid-sized donor is doing less and less. COVID has shaken loose some of that. Uh, shaken more of those lower dollar donors into action. That's a trend we hope to to continue to see. Anybody who's listening uh, today who thinks that their dollars just get drowned out by all of these mega donors, well, those mega donors aren't giving to the local soup kitchen. They're not giving to that local organization that is helping evaluate city hall policies, right? They might be giving to, to Heritage or Cato, but they're not giving necessarily on the state level even or on the the local level. And so we need those smaller dollar donors who understand the local impact of their charity to step into the breach because their $100, their $1,000 will go a long way. Yeah, so important. And uh, it seems as as the pandemic wanes a little bit, uh, the giving is shifting towards different causes and what would have been our focal point during the middle of you know, one of the most traumatic events in world history in recent uh, history. Uh, what trend lines are you seeing within your own donors at the Donors Trust? Yeah, we're definitely seeing that. We're seeing the arts and culture giving pick back up again, the, the, the cat shelters, those, those types of things, some of which backed off a little because people turned to the more immediate humanitarian aid. But you know, with us, we're also continuing to see people jumping right back into the policy organizations uh, of that $126 million, 67% of it, $85 million that we've given away so far this year went into that policy organization world writ large, where, you know, state level organizations, national organizations, student organizations that are helping to advance these ideas uh, continue to grow and continue to find, frankly, an even more open and willing uh, fan base out there willing to listen to these ideas. So, yeah, I think the, the diversity of what people are giving to is certainly maybe not back to normal, but it's certainly trending towards normal uh, kind of across the board. 
Funny, over the weekend, I was talking to one of my neighbors and we had a great conversation about freedom being under assault. It seems like a lot of the nonprofits that are fighting for freedom are really gaining some momentum. Are donors backing that in this process? They are. They are. They're stepping in and seeing that that we need good sound organizations out there who can articulate the values of freedom and, and actually go to state legislators or rally rally the troops, if you will, to to get behind that. And there's such a diversity of organizations out there. I think when we think of that policy world, we just think of the Cato's and the Heritage's and the AEI, the American Enterprise Institutes. Uh, maybe we think about our state think tanks, but you know, many states have multiple state think tanks. We have, I mentioned some education groups. I, I just did some podcast interviews with Turning Point USA, with Charlie Kirk over there, with Students for Liberty, with Young Americans for Liberty. You know, there's there's groups at all levels who are helping people understand that they actually do have a voice in this system, uh, that they shouldn't just get drowned out just because the, the media is promoting one message or, or certain other institutions are, are pushing a line that goes against what we believe in. We still have a place for that. And the case I make to donors a lot of times is I'll say, you know, good for you for going out you're making your money, you're, you're building a business, you're doing what you should do. But by donating to these organizations, you are allowing them to be a megaphone for you, for things you care about that you don't have time to do. And that's okay because you're doing something important. You're employing people, you're building new ideas. Let the policy organizations go out and speak on your behalf. And that allows you uh, and your ideas to go farther. Yeah, it's such an important effort to be able to amplify because we're all busy, right? We're all trying to make the most of our life every day. And that's where Donors Trust makes such a difference in finding the right places to amplify your voice, my voice, when we're, when we're doing this. As you go through the trend lines, because obviously we're in that transition post-pandemic, what are some of the other trend lines as it relates to D.C. center groups relating to demographics, young, older donors? What sort of other trend lines are you seeing right now? Yeah, we've we've been trying to get a sense of where the donors are. People ask us a lot, you know, what are you hearing, et cetera. And a couple of the trends that we're seeing, one is there is a lot more interest in the state level groups or local level groups. And maybe the, the inverse of that is there's a bit of fatigue with some of the DC centric groups. Uh, not that they're not doing good work and not that people don't recognize that, but I think there's a felt need to get a little more local to drive the policies that they're right there. Uh, and also the realization that you can you can kind of do a lot more, right? Uh, as we know, Congress is not the most efficient system, and uh, they don't necessarily always even seem to want to, to do the job that they're there for. But down at the state level, it's a bit different. And down at the local level, it's a bit different. So we have seen a trend there. The, the type of donor is changing a little too. Uh, a lot of organizations are still having trouble attracting young donors. I was with this weekend, a group of young uh, up-and-coming conservatives, and, and we were talking about this idea of why it's hard to attract young donors. But so many of the young donors, the millennial donors, the Gen Z donors, they really want to get, the ones that are giving are really, really actively involved, but their expectations for how a group's going to have an impact is a much higher, frankly, a higher standard than I think we've seen with the, the Generation X or the, the baby boomer generation and the demands they've put on nonprofits. And so that's a place where I think nonprofits are going to have to pivot, really show what they're doing and not expect a rest on their laurels. Um, those are a couple of the trends that we're seeing. We're seeing some others, you know, this, the one other big one probably worth noting that your audience probably noticed as well is just a continued demarcation between a more populist approach to uh, conservative ideas and kind of a more free market more traditional approach to it. And our worry is that demarcation is getting wider, not narrower, that, that the idea of fusionism is straining a bit. And I don't know how we, how we quite fix that. I think there is a place for philanthropy, particularly in creating dialogue amongst all that. But, uh, but that's, that's one that I think is worth watching over, over time. Oh, absolutely. That's an interesting dynamic. Any idea what forces are at work there, why that's happening? Well, there's a guy in Florida. <laughs> yeah, who, who I was wondering if he had something to do with that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but you know, I mean, we, the the political dynamics are a big factor in that. And uh, over the past six years, P 
people on who would probably typically just put themselves in a conservative column have split into some camps and uh, and are almost talking about the same issues in different ways. I think some of the outcomes we ultimately want are still the same, but the the process for getting there or just the way we articulate it is different. And either we've got to reconcile the past or uh, recognize that as long as we want the same ends, then you know, let's take lots of paths. Those are the, the big questions that we've got. Yeah, just fascinating. You're right. I think it's the language has changed. The values are actually, we all, we all still want the same outcome, but the language we use to describe it has clearly changed or maybe bifurcated a little bit in this moment. It's fascinating to watch. With the Ukraine war, do you see a little bit more interest in international issues for the uh, first time in a while? Well, we do. You know, we've, we've seen that actually trending upward over the past several years. Uh, at Donors Trust, we used to not do any international giving. We've added that as a component. Um, over the past couple of years, and the Ukraine war has definitely been one that, um, again, I think there's been some split. Uh, some people who kind of early on didn't really want to deal with it, and others who did, under, under, from my perspective, understood that it was an assault on on the whole idea of free markets and free free minds and liberty. Um, and so there is continued interest. Uh, I know our friends at Atlas Network, which does a lot of work domestically and internationally. Uh, started out just to raise half a million dollars towards an effort to to get some aid directly into the country, leverage their allies there, and they've raised closing in on three million dollars. I want to say uh, toward that effort and have delivered real aid, real value into into the folks there. And there have been a number of different efforts. I get emails of them here and there, and everywhere, as you probably do as well. Um, and and it's great that the philanthropy is helping the people of Ukraine. Uh, even if it's not necessarily buying bullets, it's um, buying some peace of mind. Oh, without a doubt. No doubt about it. You know, we're all busy. I know a lot of times we think, well, we're going to get to that donor question. I want to make my charitable giving more impactful, but I'm busy. Give us a couple of examples of life events, particularly people as they get in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, where it's the right time to reach out to donors trust and say, listen, with this event, I got to really think through my giving. I got to be smarter about it. What are some of those triggers that we should all be watching for? Yeah, great, great question. And, you know, maybe it's a, a bit glib, but I, I think there's no wrong time to get started. And certainly the end of the year is one of those big times. It, it focuses us. Uh, the, the tax deadline of December 31st allowed, reminds people that, oh, yeah, this is something I care about. This is something I want to do. And I better get it done before the clock, clock strikes midnight. But, you know, we've had some conversations, really interesting conversations with people Recently, we had a, a couple who was trying to sell a closely held business and wanted to use those assets that, you know, it's harder to sell on the public market, wanted to find a way to reduce the tax hit from, from a great sale of their business uh, and could donate those closely held assets into a donor advised fund. And then we become owner of those when the business sells, they liquidate. And, you know, it's not... We, this is why we have smart lawyers who can do things like that. But you know, anybody who's in the process of selling their business should understand there, there's going to be a tax piece, but it's also this amazing, unique time in their life to really make an impact on the philanthropic side. Um, and then you know, coming down from to smaller level things, I mean, maybe your, your church has a, a capital campaign uh, or uh, you've been attacked in the media because your company does something that the woke activists don't like. Right. That's becoming more popular, more it's common. That's becoming more and more and yeah. more common. Yeah. And yeah. so that can, negative things like that can trickle down into your philanthropy and you want to make sure that's protected. And I think anytime we get attacked like that, we need to think not just about our own personal safety, which is important, but the safety of, of all the things we care about and the things we do. And philanthropy needs to be a part of that. So that's, that's a much more uh, negative view than the guy who's selling his company, but but we're seeing we're seeing all that and um, yeah, and, and then just the the people who are revising their estate plan and and looking ahead and they love their kids, but their kids don't necessarily love their ideas or what they give to, and they want to make sure they take care of their charitable children as much as their biological children. And as they rewrite their will, they're thinking of what are the the means I have, the, the assets I want to go to charity, what are the tools I have, be it a foundation or a charitable remainder trust or a donor advised fund 
that will allow me to segment off and take care of those charitable causes uh, that that I care about. So we've we've seen a number of those incidents. All of those are, are recent recent incidents. And but again, there's no time. Uh, like the present to, to start thinking about charity, especially no time like the end of the year. Yeah. And the exciting part too, is what you get to do with this process. And that's why it's worth the time is not only extend and make more impact to your giving, but align your giving to your values. I think a lot of times people give to, gave to organizations for years and then found out, wait a second, they're doing what? That's not in my value system. Why, why are we doing that? And I love that about donors trust. You make sure that the values we share are the most, the dollars to where they should ultimately go. And we're too busy sometimes it's easy to get tripped up on giving to someone like, oh, wait, they don't represent my values. That's a bad idea. You you protect that. And I think that's one of the most exciting parts of the Donors Trust. I want to ask about this because we're in a moment of extraordinary big government, big regulation, heavy-handed federal government. You mentioned a little bit about the trend towards federalism and some of the charity givens, but what are some of the charitable groups that you see right now that are standouts that are starting to make a difference against a big government that is usurping freedom in America? Yeah, there's, there's, there's so many. Um, and, and frankly, that again, to give a glib answer, kind of why we started our podcast, the Giving Ventures podcast, to highlight a lot of these, because this is the question we get asked. And, and there's two sides to that question. One, there are groups that are really doing great work. We mentioned a couple of them earlier, like some of those student groups, like Turning Point and Young Americans for Liberty, Students for Liberty. Mention Atlas. We mentioned Atlas, the State Policy Network, and all of the groups that uh, work on the state level. Uh, state Policy Network is kind of an umbrella organization, a membership organization of all those groups, and it helps. It's, it's a lever that helps drive, uh, in the same way that ALEC, uh, American Legislative Exchange Council, works with state legislators, state policy networks out there working with the, the think tanks to advance these ideas and taking good ideas and getting them replicated and getting them out there. And so we're seeing we're seeing a lot of that. Um, other good groups, Foundation for Government Accountability is doing some great work in some election integrity, some other areas, uh, and you know some of the old stalwarts too. We had a call recently with with Reason Foundation for your more libertarian listeners today. I mean they are doing some really important work in in thinking through how to articulate a good free market pushback to things like the student loan forgiveness plan and inflation and uh, even even you know the Ukrainian war and all these things of thinking through how do we really talk about this in a way that, that's not driven by emotion, but is actually driven by what is the right thing for liberty and freedom. And I think they've been really stepping up uh, in that arena as well. So there's just so many good, good groups out there. And I think the, the, the message I want to leave with your listeners is find... Uh, Figure out what you're passionate about, figure out what you care about, and just find some of those groups that are engaging in that area. Give to a few of them, follow what they're doing. You're going to filter out some who are like, yeah, I like what they're doing, but they're not strong as this group. And, and leverage your philanthropy towards those groups that you identify that really get into your wheelhouse. Because at the end of the day, the philanthropy you're doing really needs to advance what you care about, what you're excited about, the, the things that make you happy and the, the ways you see the world can be better and your dollars can, can go towards that. One of the things I love about the podcast you've done, Giving Ventures, is that I think you do a great job of highlighting disruptors. And we've been dealing with homelessness for decades, right? Uh, Mitch Schneider, we all remember that movement here in D.C. But you had one on featured maybe a few months back, it might have been closer to a year now on Beyond Homelessness and the Independent Institute's effort to kind of break the mold and to look for ways to create new innovation, new thinking. And that's actually one of the exciting parts of charitable giving today. There's a lot of innovators. Talk a little bit about the innovation you see with Beyond Homelessness. Yeah, that's a really interesting effort done by the Independent Institute, which is based out in Oakland, California. And they have a they have a 20, 25 minute movie out that's really highlighting where the homeless problem has the policy side of it has really failed, but also showing some great examples in San Antonio and elsewhere where they've kind of gotten it right. And they've, they've actually remembered that the goal of fighting homelessness isn't to fight the humans, it's to, to change the policies that make it possible for humans to flourish. And Independent has really cut across party lines, ideological lines out there in the Bay Area to try to bring groups together, create a consensus of some ways to, to push back on the status quo and find some new paths forward, try some new things, 
tear down some of the, the I'm sure, well-intentioned rules that are really just standing in the way of allowing people to flourish, allowing people to get back on track. Um, and I, I think what they're doing is, is very cool and something that's replicable, I think, for other organizations out there. Yeah, another one that I enjoyed not that long ago, I guess, maybe a few, just a few months ago, the Georgia Center for Opportunity. They're another one, I think, that's really reimagining how to tackle age-old problems, aren't they? They are. They're, and, and what's really unique there is they're working in partnership with a couple other think tanks as well, the Pelican Institute in Louisiana and the Texas Public Policy Foundation to really create a multi-state look at things like the welfare cliff, you know, where you the, the benefits cliff where if you make a dollar more, all of a sudden your net total income actually comes down thousands of dollars. Uh, and, and how do you, I mean, that's one of the biggest problems in welfare reform, right? How do you overcome that? How do you make sure that there's dignity in seeking work and, and connecting employers to people and, and not doing it through the government means, but finding ways that uh, think tanks or on the ground charities or, or others in the, or even for-profit organizations can help fix these social problems. Again, same, same with the beyond homelessness effort, remembering that it is people seeking dignity and freedom that we are trying to encourage, not just creating laws for the sake of creating laws or uh, leveraging our power just to have rules. We want people to have dignity. And I think the, the unique alliance opportunity Alliance that uh, GCO and, Texas and Pelican have created really is, is helping think tanks understand that they have a role in that. And in turn, philanthropists have a role in that. Yeah, it's amazing how many times on this podcast last year, bring someone on about an issue and it always comes back to, boy, economic empowerment is so important. It's such a liberating moment to be able to get yourself the opportunity that allows you to succeed. And I had the VA secretary on a couple of weeks ago and, you know, across the, uh, over the course of a year, you hear that so often and yet in the mainstream media, it's almost never talked about. That's what makes Donors Trust and some of the innovative charities that you guys are supporting so important because you find innovation even when it's being suffocated by the mainstream media. Peter, as we wrap up, what are your thoughts as we head into the final part of this year, a very traumatic year, a very consequential year news-wise? What are some of the most important things a person sitting and thinking, how am I going to make my charitable dollars stretch further, have more impact? What are some of the values you think that they should be thinking about? And I think the biggest thing is just to make sure you're in the game, is make sure you're out there engaging with the nonprofits out there, just as in the way that you buy from businesses you care about, uh, that you spend time with the people you care about, Use your dollars to advance the causes that you care about. Give to those charities that are doing good things. Uh, later today, I'm interviewing for my podcast, a guy named Gideon Bernstein, who wrote a book called Giving. It's a great kind of step-by-step book of how to think about both starting giving and then you know the step-by-step game plan of, of doing it. But he has this great quote in there where he says, uh, in kind of encouraging people just to get out there and give, is, Quote, strive to give without judgment and without the fear you're giving to the wrong cause because no giving can do harm. And I think that's a really powerful thing to remember that as we approach the end of the year, yes, there's tax advantages for it. Yes, you know, maybe you'll get invited to an extra party, but most importantly, just start doing because you're not going to do harm. You're going to do good. And the good you do is the good that, that you care about. And if we can be helpful at Donors Trust, in thinking through some of that, then then we've been honored to do so. Yeah, no, you guys are an enormous help. And aligning those values with our giving is, I think, the really empowering part of the Donors Trust dynamic. We're so busy, sometimes we don't know how to align our values. And of course, sitting on the sidelines means you're not in the game. So you got to get in the game and then let someone help you align those values. Peter, real quickly, if someone's listening and they want to jump in, what's the best way for them to get engaged with Donors Trust today? Yeah, the easiest thing is go to donorstrust.org, look at the website. We're not hiding anything. It's all right there. There's a contact us button there, reach out, give us a phone call. We, we always answer the phone. We're, we're humans, not a phone tree. And who uh, would love to, love to talk to you about your giving. And maybe we're not the right fit for you, but we'd love to help point you in the right direction if we're not. And if we are, uh, then I think we can be a good fit for good conservative libertarian donors out there for a long time. 
Yeah, it's such an amazing group of folks and the aligning of values with giving is just such an empowering thing when you realize, wow, I just became more efficient. I became more smart. I'm making a bigger difference with the dollars I've got to give. And I think that's one of the great legacies of donortrust.org. Folks, go check it out today. Peter, as always, we love having you on the show. Great honor. And you always get me inspired to give more money whenever I talk to you. So we we love having you on. Great. Go, well, go do it. And uh, everyone listening, go do it as well. Thanks, John. All right, my friend. Good to talk to you. We'll have you back on soon. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. Tonight, we've got the Just the News, Not Noise television show. The whole show is going to be dedicated to giving you facts about the IRS. Get rid of the spin. We're going to give you direct, direct facts with links so that you can see exactly what's going on at the IRS, what they're really doing versus what they say they're doing. I think that's going to get a lot of attention tonight. So check us out on that. Just the News, Not Noise, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, right on Real America's Voice Channel 219 on DISH. Channel 240 on Pluto and on all of the apps, including Roku and the Just the News app. Click the watch button. You can watch the show there. That's a pretty good deal, right? All right, folks, before we go, I want to shout out one of our extraordinary partners in the effort to support our journalism at Just the News at John Solomon Reports at Just the News, Not Noise. Birch Gold Group, they're doing it all. They're helping people find ways to insulate themselves from this turbulent inflation-driven recession looming economy and the market. And they have all sorts of things. I didn't know this until I met them and until they became a partner with me, but Birch Gold Group takes advantage of some of the laws that allow eligible 401k and IRAs to invest in precious metals, namely gold and silver. I bet you didn't know that, right? Well, in an inflationary troubled economy like we're in now, stagflation is the word a lot of people are using for it, Gold outperforms, silver outperforms historically. And if you want to get started on that journey with our good friends at Birch Gold Group, just text the word Just News to 989898. Let me give you that again. Just News 989898. And you can convert some of your 401k and IRA qualified funds to a precious metal IRA. Why not own something that's never been valued at zero? Gold, right? That's a good deal. Historically, your best hedge against inflation is precious metals, right? So to get started on the journey, to get your free info kit and learn about it, get educated, that's the first start, right? Just text the word Just News, one word, Just News, to 989898. One more time, Just News, 989898, and Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on diversifying into gold tax-free for your retirement accounts. That is a great deal, but you didn't know you could even do that. Well, check it out tonight. All right, folks, that wraps up today's edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you on this great evening in September, and God bless this extraordinary country, as he always has. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite. You and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. 
be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z -Pak. The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, expert politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.